Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Loretta McNary Show. one-of-a-kind show before, but truly, this is a one-of-a-kind show. We've never had um, concert pianists on the show. We've had people who have performed in concerts. We've had, we've had people who have played the piano, and they've done it really well, not taking anything from anybody. But a friend of mine um, that I met on a red carpet many, many years ago with Boaz Entertainment contacted me a few weeks ago to tell me about a really, really gifted, talented, super uber um, <laughs> group of brothers, two brothers who are just so fantastic. Let me tell you a little about them. And I know they're on the phone. They're ready to chime in here. But i got to tell you guys some stuff because I'm pretty sure they're very um, um, uh, modest. <laughs> so knowing that, let me tell you a little about them, okay, and then we'll talk to them, I promise. And you will also hear a song, um, you will hear them playing, and you can go to their website, and you can see them play, and you can hear them play, and you can see all the places they've been. But anyway, our guests today are the gifted Nerva and Robinson Altino. The Altino brothers have an incredible talent, dazzling technique, a unique sound, and a compelling life story. Their performances will move you, and their story will inspire you. Coming from poverty-stricken Haiti to Jamaica, Queens, New York, it's not the typical route most pianist virtuos um, follow, but it is that humble beginning that fuels the Altino brothers to develop their musical talent to world-class levels and standards. Everybody, welcome to the Lorraine Live, the Altino brothers. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Loretta. How are you? Everything's awesome. all right. Thank you. That's good. Okay, so I know it's usually one as a talker and then one is kind of laid back. Who's the talker? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I'm, I'm probably the talker. This is Nerva. Yeah, Nerva's okay, Nerva, you're probably the talker. And, okay, so I'm telling you, I have heard your music. She sent me The Wade in the Water with Swing Low, I think, on it, and it is so crazy. That music Thank is you. crazy. It's crazy. I just want you to know, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I know you have played in so many of those wonderful places. And, I'll, of course, audience, I will let you guys know where they played. i got to tell you where they played. And, you know, the sky is not even the limit for these guys. They'll be so hot, they'll be looking down at the sky. So they play in the Lincoln Center, Yale University, Wolfie Hall, Wolfie Hall, Mechanics Hall, the Library of Congress, and so much more, and I can only imagine what you guys will be doing in the next few months, in the next couple of years, too. So, I don't know who's going to go first, because 
um, I just want you all to tell us how you got started. I know your father um, taught you guys yeah. how to play the piano, and he made sure you were exposed oh, yeah. to classical music, jazz, R&B, gospel, and all that good stuff. So just tell me your personal stories. We got time. I got time. All right. Well, since uh, I'm the older brother, this is nervous. I- I- I'll go first. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, you know, we we um we came from Haiti. We we were in Haiti. We um didn't have the opportunity to learn piano, but our parents used to tell us that we've always had a love for for music, especially playing the piano. Since uh, we didn't have that opportunity to learn in Haiti when we came here, my father, who's an amateur musician, uh, he started us playing the piano. Uh, you know, at that time, we were only exposed to to church music. You know, we hear organists in our church play. And we really took to that, and so uh, that's what we wanted to do at that time. We didn't know that we could actually study music to become professionals. So once we discovered that, we um, we we saw um, Andre Watts, who's uh, a famous classical pianist, uh, African American descent, who uh, who was playing on PBS. That was the beginning for us of, of the opening of a whole new world. And we said we wanted to be like him. So uh, he set the standard to which we wanted to to aim for. And from there on, we just worked really hard. My, you know, we studied in our teens with different teachers. My father started us. And then both Robinson and I went on to uh, college and beyond to, to really study this thing seriously. And here we are now. The hard work, you know, finally paid off. Let us also mention the fact that every morning my father would practice the piano and he would play Mozart sonatas and Beethoven sonatas, also church hymns, which also greatly influenced us. So we would wake up to piano music, literally. Yeah, so that made a big difference for our love. We really learned to love it, and we developed our love for it, yeah. How old were you guys when you started playing? Uh, I was first 10, Robinson was 8. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember your first performance and who you performed for, and what did you play? Uh, I, yes, actually, I do. I don't know if, uh, I, don't, I don't remember Robinson. I don't know if you remember his first performance. But me, I, I remember the first time I played was actually about uh, 10 months later after, you know, my first lesson. Uh, a choir director at, at a local church in Queens, New York, called on me because he came to the house to visit my father. He's a, a friend of, of the family. He saw, he saw me practicing, and he told my father, hey, you know, I think your son could play for my choir. And he called on me to play for his church choir, uh, and that was it. And, you know, being that young, I didn't know what the word nervous meant. So I wasn't <laughs> nervous. But funny thing is, as I, as I got older, and, you know, you would think that when you're getting more experience, you should become less nervous. But that wasn't the case at all. I, I, I soon discovered why I was named nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's cute. Is that really why you were named nervous? No, no, it's not what I was saying. Nerva, Nerva, you know, people from Haiti, Nerva, uh, actually, Nerva was an emperor from biblical days. Uh, That's who I'm actually named after. So, uh, you know, in in, in Haitian, 
uh, in the Asian tradition or culture, you know, they, they tend to name a lot of kids after biblical characters. And mm-hmm. for some reason, you know, my parents came up with Nerva because of this great story about the emperor that he was. I don't know much about the story, but, you know, that, that that's, that's who I was named after. Oh, okay. Then now I have something to do. I need to research and in the Bible, so I'll know uh, maybe what was going. What were they thinking? What were you like as a child? So I'll know. So I heard someone just got married. <laughs> Which one of the brothers, you know, took that well, step? That would be Nerva. That would be Nerva. Nerva did. Okay. Got, yes, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah oh, two okay. weeks ago. October six. You know it's. It was, you know, the right decision. I find the right, the right woman to to spend the rest of my life with. I mean, she's just a joy. So, uh, it's a good thing. You know, if I had I done this ten years ago, I don't think I would have been ready. But uh, you know, okay. it, it, it's just coming together at the right time, and 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 you know, God put us together. So, I believe it's going to be a blessed union. Well, I believe that too, and I pray and. Um bless the union in God's name. I just know when you know it's right, then it will be right. And you know the work that's is right. done. And you already said the best part. You believe she, you know she's the right one. So that yes, is awesome. Ma'am. So when you decided you wanted to get married, did you talk to your brother? Did he did he think he was going to, you know, take away some time playing the piano or performing? <laughs> no, quite, quite the contrary. Yeah, quite the contrary. I believe this will enhance our piano playing. I believe that they are <laughs> certain blessings that God will give to us after you have, you've made certain stability in your life, and this is definitely one of them. So I definitely am for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got that confirmed in a second, so you know what? You are on your way to a life of bliss matrimony for, you know, for years and years and years and years forever. So I heard you guys have master de- master degrees in piano. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Robinson, you want to go ahead? Well, let me first, uh, before I talk about the masters, let me talk about before we decided to let the public know this is what we are going to do as a career. Of course, nobody ever heard of a concert pianist, so we were greatly discouraged. Nerva and I would get phone calls from people that we do not even know, never heard of them, telling us not to go for music, not to go for it. But that was okay, but what really got us is they started calling our parents and telling them, tell your children not to go for music, and I'm wondering, who are these people? But our love for it was too strong to let... uh, even people that that we do know or don't know um, to tell us not what to do or what not to do. And so we still went and pursued music as a career. And now we had certain disadvantages, I must say. We were not properly trained as we were older. And so after the discouragement, when certain schools like the top-level conservatory did not accept like your school in Manhattan School of Music. We yes. wanted to go to at 17 or 18. We couldn't get into mm-hmm. yeah. schools. Yes, but after years of working hard, not only were we able to get to the undergrad, well, I'm not in my undergrad in conservatory. Uh, we both worked very hard, but we were also able to get to the masters um, of one of the top schools, which is Manhattan School of Music. And so that is something that, I can say motivate us to to stay and let us know that hey, 
listen, your decision is right, <laughs> and to always stay with the course and stay with music as our field and our love. Uh, so you just aren't, what you did right there, you probably have inspired so many people because um, even with me doing my TV show for like seven, I'm into my seventh year, and of course people didn't understand why you would leave a great corporate job with great benefits and a great salary to go out on your own, and it's not proven that anybody independent has done well with a TV talk show. And so right. for seven <laughs> years I got there, so I can relate to that, and I'm sure someone who's listening can also say, you know what, that just inspired me. I'm not going to listen to the naysayers. I'm going to go on and to my my playing piano or my travel business or going back to school. I don't care what naysayers say. You have to not listen to naysayers. That's for sure. Yeah, I right. love that you shared that. Well, right. I have to say, none of these people created you. God did. And God Amen. put a certain love in your heart. Yeah, he put a certain love in your heart that needs to be developed. Uh, you know, And if you, you cannot develop it unless you pursue it to your full strength. Yeah. So you did the right thing. (laughs) I love that. I'm like your biggest fan now. I'm such a since I started doing my research. I have become just fans of yours. Oh, my goodness. So, okay, tell me this. And I know we hear a lot in sports figures how many times Michael Jordan practices, how many times Tiger Woods practices, how many times Kobe, you know. Mm -hmm. So how many times do people at your, like you, concert pianists, how how often do you practice? How many hours? Oh, we, we practice uh, six hours per day, every day. Uh, except, you know, weekends, it, it's, a little, it's a little less because we have to play for church at times and so forth and so on. But generally, we, we practice about six hours a day. And when we have concerts, major performances coming up, we increase those hours even more. And on top of that, we spend time arranging and writing music, orchestration and so forth whenever we have different uh, project we're working on, so it, it takes it's a full time thing. Uh, and, and, but think about it, it doesn't feel like work. Um, no. We don't practice for six hours straight during the day. We split it up. We'll probably do three hours in the morning, twenty afternoon, and a couple and, and, and an hour at night, and then write music after that. So it doesn't feel like work because we love it so much. Yeah, and they said that's the thing. If you find something you love doing, you do it for free, and it doesn't feel like work, then that's where your passion, that's where your purpose is, and that's where your gifting also lies, so it should make room. So I'm glad that you're saying that because, you know, owning your own business, being the CEO of your own company, it's, it's a 24-7, you know, good day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. always work. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Okay, I have yeah. so many questions for you guys, but you know what? If you want to just throw something out there, this is a conversation, not an interview. I'm getting to know my new friends, so I have questions, but if there's Beautiful. something you want to make sure that the audience knows about you, then, hey, well, uh-huh. you know what? i got to tell you this. So I'm I'm not scripted ever, ever, ever. I like conversations. That's all right. So That's all right. I wanted you to know that. And we're definitely going to play some music. And I was okay. like, torn because I want to play the entire 11 minutes, but then I'm like, oh. that's going to take away from me talking to them, so I'm probably going to take maybe five minutes and play it, but that's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Okay, right. yeah. so how did you get into composing your own music? Because I know you take songs and then you just add your own, you know, mm-hmm. for lack of the word, funk to it. Right, So tell right. me about that. Uh, composing, you know, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's because, you know, God blessed us with a gift. It's not a difficult thing to do. I feel that if you could speak at improvising, you know, like you, for instance, you're not scripted right now. 
you just go with the flow. And it's the same thing with composing. You know, you, you, you play what's in your heart, what you feel. Uh, and a lot of times I find that, uh, especially musicians who are trained, they tend to be very structured and they're concerned about rules and things like that when writing music. Well, me personally, I'm, I'm kind of a rebel. This is Nerva. I'm kind of a rebel when it comes to um, writing music. I, I will find new ways to write something and not be concerned about what uh, purists, as I call them, will say. I, I write what I think um, would be that people will like. And funny thing is, I find that when I write something, the way I feel it is the same way our audience will respond to it. So if I write something and I say, man, I'm not feeling this, and for some reason, you know, I don't think people will like it. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's that way. You know when 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 the people are going to feel the music. And I think that's the key to these uh, hit makers out there who write uh, pop music, R&B hits, and so forth. They feel the music so much so they know it's going to be a hit based on the way that uh, they themselves react to the music. And that's the, that's the same thing with, you know, with, with composing music. That's what it is. You feel the music a certain way. Mm, so I'm guessing, because I understand balance and everything, that mm-hmm. since you are the rebel, Nerva, then Robinson <laughs> has to be the more conservative person. So what happens when you're, like, in your zone where you're just all out there, just all wild out, and then Robinson is saying, like, you know, dude, that is way too much. We're not doing it. I'm not doing that. And then what happens when you guys are on the stage and then he goes with what you say? <laughs> Robinson, go ahead. You want to take that? Well, let me say this. Fortunately for us, uh, well, I don't know if people would understand, but most of the life of a concert pianist or a musician, a true musician, is spent alone <laughs> uh, practicing and working things out for yourself. So the time that we do come together uh, to work together, Fortunately, we already done a lot of work before so that we are not in each other's ways. For example, if we have to do some piano pieces where we have to play together, and let me just say, both of us are big. <laughs> both of us are pretty big. <laughs> and we're working on that. We have to make sure that we leave space for each other, or else, yes, it will get very, very, how can I say, yeah, a, a little bit intense, especially with different personalities. I I may have to say, okay, you know what? Since I do this your way, you have to interpret this music my way. And so we, <laughs> it, it, it is something. But thank God we don't spend too much time with each other. <laughs> and we can, <laughs> so you we find can, a compromise. <laughs> yeah, yes, we're we compromised. We, we, we compromise. We compromise. But, yes, someone do have to lead at a certain time. And I usually let Nerva lead. But, yes, a lot of our work, even the work that we perform together in our music, we do um, practice on separate pianos, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a video, and I was in awe. And I wasn't really listening to the music at first, just to see those two grand pianos like that, you know, and you guys on, you on one, he's on that, and you're playing, and you're not looking at each other. But you, the music is so flawless <laughs> and so, I mean, it's angelic. So how do you find that kind of talent? I, I was 
just fascinated is all I can say. I was oh, so thank extremely you. fascinated. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it, it, it does take a lot of discipline. We, we spend a lot of time, as Robinson says, uh, practicing alone. So that way when we put the music together, uh, you know, it, we, we, we're not really going to uh, be in each other's way. Robinson, for instance, he knows what I'm going to do. And we have a certain chemistry uh, playing together. He knows exactly what I need, and I know exactly what he wants to do before he does it. Uh, okay. Because, I mean, I guess because of all the years of working together and practicing yeah. and knowing yeah. each other personally as well as uh, stylistically, he knows what I like to do, what my habits are, and, and vice versa. So as a result of it, uh, it when we put music together, it comes easy comes easy for us so after, after we do the practicing on our own. Uh, so, yeah. And, and as, yeah, we, we, we compromise. And also what we do when we, you know, write a piece of music, uh, we not only allow each other to um, room to, to do what we want to do, but we, we're, we're also structured. Uh, we say, okay, well, we're going to stick to this, this, and this, and that. And also we also allow each other room to improvise. I say, okay, well, you take this improvisation here, and I'll take that, and you do whatever you want, and I'll do whatever I want here, and then we come together again and close out together. So we tend to do that a lot. Wow. I, I can't wait to see you live. I want to experience <laughs> you playing live. i got to do that, and I'm probably going to do it once. But I, I'm telling you, that is on my bucket list, to see the Altino Brothers uh-huh. perform live somewhere real soon. Well, we're going to make <laughs> sure that happens. <laughs> Definitely. And you know what? I got to tell you this, and this is so crazy, and I'm just, you know, I probably shouldn't even say this because your talent is just out of the stratosphere, but one of my my bucket list things, and I do this often, uh, Robinson, I will sometimes, Mm -hmm. I'm passing by, because I have this thing, I want to play piano, right, but I don't want to take lessons. I just believe one day I'm going to sit at a piano, and Beethoven is just going to, I'm just gonna I'm gonna become him, and I'm gonna. Say, it hasn't happened That's yet. Right. <laughs> Trust me, it has nothing similar to music has come out of my fingers in a piano. But um, I just thought I'd share that with you guys. So if I ever see you and you're on a piano, please just you know have security. Don't let me get close because I'm gonna sit there and try to play something. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, that was just my little story to share. But anyway, <laughs> being more serious, what, is the, what piece of music have you composed that you're the most proud of? And then tell me why. Okay, um, Robinson, you want to go or you, should I go? No, you can go. You're the composer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I um, there are, I mean, I, I like a lot of, do a lot of arranging. But uh, in 2008, I took on a task uh, to compose a work called The Second Coming of Christ. You know, uh, we have various composers who've written the seven last words based on the crucifixion. You have Handel, uh, who wrote The Messiah. Uh, But no one has really tackled the aspect of the, the Second Coming. That's based on the books of Revelation, Daniel, and Matthew. So I took on the task. Uh, to do it. I took a year off from performing, and I spent that entire year writing and composing. And, you know, if there's anything I would say I'm most proud of is probably that work because it was something unique. It was something that I hadn't done before. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's a work. It, it's over 200 pages long, and it's for mm. a big choir, uh, a lot of brass, symphony, organ. It's something I, I, I'm, I'm probably most proud of. We don't get an opportunity to perform it very often. Uh, um, and and it, it, it's not really featuring us as pianists. It's actually for choir. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, and Robinson conducts it, and I play the organ, and we have a, a ton of musicians around us supporting uh, the choir. But when it comes together, it is so beautiful. It, it creates a drama. It almost sounds like, like Broadway, so to speak, uh, because it's very grand. It's very grand. So and well, that's let, what I let, think let, I'm most proud me, of. Let me say that this work is the second coming that never composed. It's just as big as Handel's Messiah or any opera out there. It really is. And it is something that needed to be done, and it is something very personal. We we look at that work as, as how can I say, not a work of entertainment, but a work of um, religious, uh, how can I say, um, witnessing to people to the to the audience's ear and to be honest with you a lot of people it's not until after they listen to the work uh-huh. that they go to the Bible and say you know what I never even knew that this text was in the Bible and that inspired them not to be afraid to tackle books of Revelation or Daniel something that they never thought about so this work is really probably the most serious work because it really is not for entertainment, even though it is big. So I would say that um, it is, by today's standard, one of the greatest oratorios, if you please, um, that is composed. So I'm a witness of that. Oh, wow. I would love to see that performed. Oh, yes. It's really nice work. It's and the thing about it is, about that work is, we 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 we've only had our, our hundred voice choir perform it. No one else has performed right. it. Right. Uh, right. So Robinson and I have have this big choir that we've been working with for the past uh, eleven years. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I wrote that piece for them to perform. They've premiered it, and they're the ones who's done. You know, I mean, right. justice to that to that work. So they they really made the work come alive and really really presented it well. Uh, they performed it, I think, what two three times? Yeah, so about three and, times. And 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 it was tremendous. It was tremendous. So they do quite well. Mm, that sounds so beautiful, so serene, like a worship experience just through yes, music, it is. not necessarily a, a spoken exactly word, what it just is. through music. Yeah, that's a exactly experience. what it is. A worship experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. love it. Okay, so how long have you been conducting, and did you learn? How did you learn to be a conductor? Well, since I'm the conductor, I'll take this one. I started learning <laughs> conducting in school <laughs> at the Manhattan and so School of Music. So this is Robinson, right? Robinson, yeah, this is Robinson. Yeah, this is Robinson. And Nerva is the yes, yes. Okay, I'm about to get the voice. Well, actually, okay. actually, Nerva conducts as well. He he does. He just don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't tell that members listen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yes, I started conducting in school, and it, it was amazing because the teacher would not give us simple works. He would give difficult, very difficult, challenging works. Now, what I've learned, I used what from the conductors look like. Well, they do swing their hands, but 
uh, after I studied conducting, you realize the rules. You have to put your hand in a certain way, the beat, and your cutoffs. And I just fell in love with it. And to the point where I was able to get an A for both choral conducting and orchestral conducting. And so I realized that this this is something that can really help uh, the church, the choirs. Even though I admit um, we did not plan to have uh, an Alcino chorale at the time, I know that that was not part of my plan. I just thought maybe whenever I get a chance, I would work the conducting because uh, the choir could be great, only great as the con- as the conductor is. And so I, I realized this work is something that will even add to our music, our, not just piano playing, but another dimension of our musicality. And so I said, okay, you know, I love to do this, but I never knew that God had planned that we would have acquired that I would be able to use uh, my conducting skills for that, yes. So that's when I fell in love with it and my in my uh, years in college. Oh, I love to see conductors because I love to see choir directors too. The ones who really get into the music and it almost becomes a performance within the performance. And I think those guys are the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I I, I got to yeah. see that too. You have to conduct when I come see you guys perform. Oh, definitely. So tell me about Alcino <laughs> Brothers, correct? Because you mentioned the the choir, the hundred voices, and the orchestra. And how did you get the idea to have an orchestra and a um, a choir like a hundred voices, a huge choir? I think we was called something else at that point, not a choir, but a chorale or something. Yeah, yeah, Alcino <laughs> yeah, Brothers Chorale. Well, that, that idea came to us. Uh, in 2002, yeah. we wanted to um, to have a concert uh, in Queens, New York, at Queens College, and it's a pretty big venue, 2,000 plus seater, and we needed a big choir to perform, and called on a conductor from our church, one of the churches in New York City, whose choir I had heard earlier that year, which both Robinson and I loved. And we said, okay, we want this choir to come and take part in a concert and and sing a particular song that we were uh, looking to do. And the choir conductor rudely rejected my request. It was almost as though he was saying, well, well, he hadn't heard of us at the time, and it was almost as though he was saying, well, you know, who are you guys to call on us? Like they were basically too good to, to take part in our concert. So Robinson and I said, okay, you know what? You studied choral conducting, and I studied uh, choral training in school, and we play and so forth. We could do this by ourselves. So we decided that we're going to put a choir together. Uh, We called our friends from various churches and colleagues that we knew who sang well, and the response was tremendous. So people joined, and as a result, we put that choir together. Uh, We started with 107 members to be exact on paper and we put this concert the concert was amazing now unfortunately within that time is when we lost our mother who died just a week before we would have our first version with the choir so the concert was dedicated to her memory now i we we our intention was to have the choir for that one concert we put the choir together for that one concert. We didn't intend to have the part at all after that. <laughs> and then a gentleman who was the president 
of the uh, Adventist Church, Seventh-day Adventist Church Conference, and Queen came to the concert, and he fell in love with the choir. He said, well, listen, we got to have this choir perform at our annual camp meeting next year. And I said, well, we don't know, you know, we've got a permanent choir. He said, oh, no, he, 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 he insisted that the choir sings at this camp meeting. So uh, after the concert, we, you know, went our separate ways, and we put them together again a couple of months before the event took place, which was the following summer. And, I mean, this camp meeting is pretty large. I believe about 7,000 people were present. And they, the choir just, I don't want to say perform, but they just ministered in such a way. It was so powerful. Everyone there left feeling blessed that day. So uh, since that time, the choir members kept saying to us, listen, we've got to keep this going. We've got to keep this ministry going. We've got to keep this ministry going. So Robinson and I thought about it, and, you know, and, and we responded to them, and, and we kept the choir together. Yeah, and funny enough, we really felt like maybe the choir would be in the way of our performance. That's right. Yeah, we, we, mm-hmm. yeah we, we, we both thought that. We both thought that the choir would get in the way into our performance. Little did we know that they they help enhance uh, our, our concert productions. So later that same year after that um, camp meeting performance, we put on our first Christmas uh, production. That was in 2003. And as a matter of fact, this year uh, in December, December 14th, we're going to have, we're going to celebrate our 10th anniversary of our annual uh, Christmas production. So, and, and from there on, it's just been you know, we, we've had our ups and downs. We've lost some members through death. Some members have moved. Uh, so the choir is not as large as it was when we first started. Now we, I mean, now we, we have 100 on paper, but on average, we'll have about 75 or 80 people uh, to perform on stage. Still a pretty large group, and the choir has been a blessing to the both of us. To be honest, right. uh, they, they they work very hard. Our rehearsals are intense. There are times I know those members want to kill Robinson, and I. but but when they perform and they see the results of the hard work that we put them through during rehearsal, they rejoice and they thank God for 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 the ministry. So, uh, and a lot of members say that the choir is therapeutic for them. You know, you know, people go through trials and tribulations in life. We can't escape that, and a way to escape for them is uh, being in the choir. And to us. That's what it's all about. Make a difference in people's lives. That's incredible. I love that. I love, love, love. And plus you're giving people an opportunity that they wouldn't have had it had you not decided, hey, you know what, we should try this choir thing out, and then look what happens. You do yeah. that first step, yeah. and yeah. God just, like, right. magnified it. That's what he does. Uh, yes, we think did. we're just going to do a little yes, something, something, and then his plan yeah. is always greater. So tell me about, oh, yeah. you know, what oh, yeah. is like, being a pianist in the classical music genre. Mm. Robert, can you take that one? Wow. Well, let me say this. It keeps you on your toes because every time you perform, people are not looking for the good. They are looking for the bad. I have to say this about classical piano as a field. Um, when you go to perform, 
wherever you go, people are really coming to see how much music you are not making, how badly your technique really, your technique really are, and how much notes, how many wrong notes you are hitting on the piano. So they can criticize. Mm -hmm. It is a field that is calling uh, to be criticized. And so for you to impress um, people in the purely classical piano field, again, you have to really spend a lot of time. In fact, that's why a lot of our friends who started out as classical pianists, they leave it. They leave it and uh, do something else that is less pressured because classical pianists face a lot of lot of pressure. But us, we have to not only be um, able to play classical piano, we have to be able to arrange the different genres. So our practicing, our work is not just focus on the classical piano, so that means that we really have to work even next to our heart because if our classical piano works is lacking, then we will not get respect as, as a truly great classical piano. So it does keep you... Let me just tell you this. Before I practice every day, in fact, before every round of practice and after, I, say, I, I, I do pray before. Because now you realize you have to depend on God because to to try to reach such level of perfection in music is really difficult. So I definitely um, say that this classical piano, it make me go to God to pray for, I cannot say, to perform better, to improve. Yeah. You know, it's so amazing because when you think of classical piano players, pianists, however you want to say it, um, very... Mm-hmm few times will an African-American or, you know, person of color come to, to mind. And so when I was doing research, of course, I Googled, you know, who are the top, you know, pianists, classical mm-hmm. pianists in the world or even in the United States. And those names are people I cannot even pronounce. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you all are doing yeah. is like you have to carry so much other than yourself when you're sitting to perform, you're carrying other classical pianists who look like you who, and then those who don't look like you to an audience who doesn't look like you, who doesn't, like you said, who are common to see. Yeah. What is it that you don't know? What can I find to say they're not nearly as good as what everybody is saying? So you carry all that into a performance. So knowing oh. that, can you, tell, can you please tell us how does that feel? Do you feel like you're carrying all that weight, extra weight with you and – then the second part of that, who are other African-Americans in the classics and performing arts when it comes to, you know, the okay. classic music as a pianist? I'll, I'll take this one. Um, well, the thing about it is with us, the other African-American pianists that there are out there, we have Andre Watt, who was our childhood hero. He's definitely one of the greatest pianists ever. Um, you also have uh, Awadis and Pratt, who mm-hmm. is... I think I believe he's from uh, the Illinois area. Normal Illinois is from. He looks like he belongs in Bob Marley's band. Big dreadlocks, beard, but he is a classical pianist. He's trained as a violinist, classical pianist, and conductor. Mm -hmm. And he has degrees in all three from uh, a top music school, Peabody Conservatory. But the thing about it is, we. Uh, from the general public, don't hear about these people. 
number one, I think that music has evolved uh, to where, you know, people want to hear more commercialized music. And with the Internet and so forth, uh, a lot of kids nowadays are exposed to so much, so many varieties. Therefore, you know, they they choose their preferences. And also I think that the record companies and so forth are promoting, you know, a variety of genres instead of just pure classical piano. So the general public, the general population does not have an opportunity to hear great classical pianists. Now, here's where Robinson and I try to do differently from the other uh, pianists, or, or musicians, rather. We uh, we take tunes that are more familiar to people and turn those into a classical-like uh, piece, if you will. We, but within that, we incorporate jazz, blues, gospel, and classical all within that song or that piece. And we find that the response there has been awesome, to say the least, because people hear something that they're familiar with. And the reason why classical musicians aren't as popular is because they're playing Beethoven sonatas, you know, Mozart and, 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 and other um, classical musicians. And a lot of times, you know, unless you, you've been brought up uh, being educated musically, within those genres, it's hard to appreciate them. At least I find that. So it's hard to hear a half-hour Beethoven piece and say, wow, I had a good time, because a lot of people don't understand that. So what we do, we will take a familiar song, like Wade in the Water or Amazing Grace or, uh, you know, We Shall Overcome, Star Spangled Banner, things that people know, whether it be religious or otherwise. And mm-hmm arrange them, rearrange them as they as though they are a classical piece. And and with that I find that people respond to that to that so much more. So much more. And that's that's where I think uh be doing that I think it will open a lot more doors for us. For instance we um we just got booked to to perform at the one of the pre Stella Award events in Tennessee in January because uh, of the variety that we bring. So now we have a choice where we could perform a religious, I mean, still it was a gospel event, as you know, uh, we could do a religious song. So if we were to do another award somewhere, we could do a contemporary or, uh, you know, secular piece. So you have to allow yourself that flexibility. And I, I don't think classical musicians allow themselves to have that. I agree with that, and I will probably be at the Stellar Wars, so I know you guys are going to shut it down. Oh, my goodness, they are not ready. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, though. It's going to be awesome. And I agree with you because I really love – I find that I'm most in love with music that creates or includes, like, the orchestra or um, classic piano or some jazz within, like, whether it be R&D or blues or gospel, I find that if you mm-hmm. kind of infuse it with some classical yeah. music, those are, like, songs that are going to last. They would become legendary, iconic. So you all yeah. have that kind of flair. So this is going to – other people will start copying you, of course, once you – you know, once since you're out there like that now. But it's going to be crazy for you guys. And I can say I have them on my show. I remember them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I do hope that people copy us, especially young 
musicians yeah. coming up because we want uh, the next generation to take what we do or what we've done and take it further. That's what it's about. You know, we, we um, yeah. have avid basketball players. I mean, basketball watchers. We love basketball. And if you see how basketball has evolved from Dr. J and then go to Michael Jordan and now LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, how it's evolved because of the of their predecessors. You know, the kids take, take it and, and do even more with it. You hear music. And unfortunately, I don't think that we have enough African-American kids uh, doing uh, the classics as they should, only because I think that they don't have enough uh, role models to uh, to help them see oh, a okay. bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I think the I best way to do that is, is, to, is to have something that they could relate to. Don't just introduce them to Beethoven. Let them see Art Tatum. Let them see Oscar Peterson. Let them see Beethoven. Let them see Mozart. Let them see Michael Jackson. Let them see Don McClurkin. And then they will take all these people and incorporate, and you'll be surprised at how creative they will get in order to create something great. And believe me, we have the talent from all angles to do it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And that's such a great lead segue into my next question. And after this mm-hmm. question, oh, my goodness, there's time. Did you know we have less than 15 minutes left to talk? And I haven't okay. played music yet. So what I okay. want to do, I want to ask this question about, because you kind of segued into when we started talking about the next generation of performance. So what advice would you give the students who are taking piano lessons only because, like this parent right here, I want to make you take these lessons. <laughs> and, and I know other parents who do that, too, because we want them to have culture. We want them to know, you know, right. different things. And, you know, music, right. of course, I believe, right. is one of the greatest academic lessons that we can teach. Absolutely. But it's Absolutely. not taught well, that way, but I believe it is so academic. Rob, take it I'm going to take this plane and then you could uh, extend yeah. it. All right? Yes, yes. Well, what yes. I would advise young young musicians to do, number one, there's an epidemic now where young musicians are not disciplining themselves to learn their craft. Uh, I, I, I think that young musicians need to study their craft. They need to study the classics. They need to study jazz. They need to study gospel. Study your craft and work like a maniac. And, you know, kids are so creative. And I think that there's nothing wrong with mixing the past and present together and creating your own sound. So my main advice to them is study your craft. Robinson, what do you think? Yeah, yes, I know there are a lot of students. In fact, um, to be honest with you, I ran into many students who do not want to practice. They are taking it, as you said, um, because their parents want them to study. Truth is, as a teacher, as a piano teacher, because we do teach also, I sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I feel like maybe we have failed um, in letting the students see the beauty of the music, that it's worth the hard work. Now, sometimes the students come for themselves because they they love the playing part of it. They they love and they want to play, but what I feel like when they realize what it takes to master the instrument, then it becomes, well, I'm just here because my parents said I have to be here. And so they now, how can I say, they, they, they don't want to perform the work. And so I believe, like Nova said, 
to overcome that, a great amount of exposure and the beauty, and also let them see the blessings of the music that they are creating and that there is nobody like them. When they accomplish something, there has never been any person in history that's ever been created like them, so their music will be the only one of its kind that they are producing. And so if we can approach it like that to let them know that, hey, you are aiming at something much bigger than even you, something only God has produced, then perhaps they can get their motivation and realize that, yes, this is worth the hard work. So that would be my advice for the generation coming up. And one last thing before we go. Um, I also want to say to the parents, uh, do not force the kids to practice. That's where parents go wrong. They force the kids, well, you better practice. Do not force the kids to practice. If they don't want to do it, to find their own way. And, you know, they have their gifts. Whatever uh, they want to do, they enjoy doing, they're going to do it. It doesn't have to be. There are plenty of kids out there who love music, who will practice. But you have others who they may even have talented the, the, the talent to do it, but they just don't want to discipline themselves to practice to do it. Encourage them, without a doubt, especially when they're very young. Encourage them. Give them structure. Introduce them to it and, and um, make them... Uh, you know, introduce them to it and, and, and expose them to 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 music because I think it's, music is is a, a field that I think could create avenues for children in so many other fields. But uh, when it comes to that, when it comes down to making children practice, forcing them, I don't think that's a good idea because they'll grow up to resent it and hate it. Well, well, let me say this, Nerva. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to example, you have Mozart, who the world knows very well. Mozart was very fast. He was a child prodigy. He can compose something at sight. Uh, but then you had another man called Beethoven. Beethoven was not as quick as Mozart. Beethoven took time to compose. He would write something and said, this is no good, rip it out, and his father would almost forcing to practice and in my opinion the greater of the two and believe me many will disagree turned out to be Beethoven so what I want to say to those who decided that, that it's hard for them think of the story of Beethoven think of the story of Beethoven and you will realize that uh, it, it doesn't matter don't, don't, don't look at anybody else and say well they are faster than me so I should be discouraged no you take your time and, and do it your, on your own time. So that will be my advice. Beautiful advice. And I think also to add to what you're saying, you have to make it interesting for them. You have to, it has to be a buy-in for the kid, even though we can force them to do whatever, you know, as a parent, we can dominate them like that. But I think like reading, if, if they don't like to read and you want to, let them read what they want to read. If they love sports and get them books on sports. If they like cartoons, let them read cartoons. If they love mystery, but get those kind of books. Right. We want to, uh, we have a list of books we want them to read. And like piano or teaching saxophone or guitar, 
you know, you talk about reading the scales and you talk about that. But talk, you know, I think if they knew the history of Beethoven, if they knew the actual story of Mozart as a child, as an adult, then that helps. Does that create imagination? That creates That's so right. much more if they knew, you know, right. the stories behind them instead of just, you know, play, 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 play. This is what they did. They were so awesome at it. So what I want yeah. to do, and I have had this, this interview, this uh, conversation with some extra minutes because I know I'm going to go over an hour, but i got to yeah. play this song, and I'm just on. I'm going to play like two or three minutes because I want to come back and continue my conversation because we've got to tell everybody how to find you, how they can book you, and what's in the pipeline. So everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, (laughs) here Uh is Wade in the Water by the Altino Brothers. Hopefully it will go well. Just listen and enjoy. know where to stop. I, that was almost like the hardest thing for me to do was to stop that music. I just want you to know. Oh my goodness, I did not want to stop it. <laughs> I was up getting my Hallelujah dance on. I can see that like in a play, you know, being the, it's her play, just the way you play it and people responding in body movement and everything. That's what I was doing. Mm. Good thing it wasn't video recorded. But anyway, <laughs> beautiful. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely 
Beautiful just doesn't even seem sufficient enough to describe that music, but that's what we got to work with. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm trying to compose myself. I am so (laughs) trying to compose myself here. Okay, so let's talk about some dates available to book you this year when you perform at Christmas or Resurrection, Easter concerts, and do you perform overseas? Right. Then, um... The, uh, the the award season in January. Um, we our, our calendar for 2013 is wide open as of now. We we're, we're currently booking for 2013. Um, at 20, 20, I'm not 2013. I'm sorry, 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2013. We have our Christmas um, program coming up on 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 the uh, December 14th in Queens, New York. Um, and December is pretty busy, but. Wide open calendar. So if people want to book us, uh, they can go to our website, www.thealtinobrothers.com, thealtinobrothers.com. And they can go to the website or call the number that's uh, on the site, and, you know, and, and they're, they're, someone will definitely get back to them. And we are booking for 2014 now. So Booking for 2014 now. And uh, <laughs> I know it's going to get crazy, Nerva. I know it's going to become crazy with your schedule wow. because one, oh, please, people are waiting on this. They are so waiting on this. Some people know that they're mm. waiting on this, and then some people have no clue that this is what they need. But once they hear it and it's revealed right. and discovered, oh, my goodness, be ready. Be ready. Make sure your bride is going to be okay with that schedule because it's going to become crazy at this point. I can That's assure all right you with of us. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to become crazy. I see where Rob, the Robinson has leave and now he's coming back. So we have a couple of minutes in the segment. I didn't want to overtake your time, although I could talk another hour and play some more music <laughs> to you guys. But I'm going to respect the time limit, and we have, like, two minutes, so we can discuss whatever you want to discuss. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, well, before before we go, I just want to give um, – the, the good people a uh, a contact number to to book us. Uh, contact number is two two one two four seven zero four one seven eight two one two four seven zero four one seven eight. And um, in conclusion, I just want to thank you, Loretta, for this opportunity. Uh, you know to to introduce us to your audience. And I hope, you know, we get a chance to meet one of these days. Uh, Both the Alcino Brothers are about motivating people. We're very big uh, on young people, the next generation coming up. Uh, We want to see, uh, we know that music, better than anything else, uh, could make a difference in so many ways. You know, politics will divide a country like nobody's business. And even people with disagreements in, in, in religion, you know, uh, will we'll divide people. But music is a gift from God. Right. And yeah. we're both are humbled uh, by that opportunity to make music uh, and, and to, to, to reach others through music. So uh, it's a blessing for us. And I just want to encourage all children out there, please, please do not let others discourage you. If you have a dream that you want to accomplish, you have a goal that you want to accomplish, your dreams and so forth, do it. Do it. I always tell kids, 
No one in this world is smart enough to tell you what you can and cannot do. That's right. It's only That's God right. to tell you no. Do it. We've been discouraged by, uh, by so many different people coming up, as Robinson mentioned earlier, who called our parents, who told us, don't go um, pursue music. But the thing about it is this is not our profession. This is uh, not, you know, uh, what we just wanted to do. But this is our calling. So, therefore, I just want to encourage them to keep the faith. Robinson. No, I just want to say thank you for allowing us to share our stories. And again, same thing as Nova said. Um, God created you here on this earth for a special purpose. He has given you a special love in your heart. Take it and develop it to your fullest with no apology. And so God will guide you and he will make sure that you are successful. And he's the one that's responsible to make sure that you make it. And he will do that. All right. That is so beautiful. You know, most people say, oh, buy my book or find me here and find me there and find me this. You chose to lose, use your remaining couple of minutes to inspire, encourage, and motivate people to, you know, live so unapologetically the way that God intended for them using those gifts and talents. And I am just even more and more and more and more and more grateful for this interview, for this conversation with you guys, because I'm better. I feel encouraged mm. <laughs> just having talked to you Thank myself. You. So Thank I can so only much. imagine someone who who really, really needs it um, more than anything. So I, I'm sure that they were blessed on many levels, on in many areas, just by your story and then by your music and then by your bright, bright future that God has for you because of your obedience and your acknowledging and giving him the glory. So, as you know, brothers Nerva and Robinson, it has been my pleasure, my pleasure, Likewise. my keen pleasure Thank you so to have much, you on sir. the Loretta Mary Show. And this will not be the last time my invitation is No, I hope not, Loretta. I hope not. I hope not. And please <laughs> uh, encourage your, your audience to, you know, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and so forth. Yeah. It's That's Altino right. Brothers, A-L-T-I-N-O. Brothers. Brothers. So, you know, follow us on Facebook. We'll keep uh, our fans uh, updated on what we're doing. And we're just going to keep it moving and, and trying to reach as many as we possibly can. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, so Thanks, thank you guys again. And thank all the people who are listening. Thank you all. Please share this information. It, this show will be available in archive 24-7 for 365 days and probably more because they are the up-and-coming, the next thing, the big thing in music not just gospel music, not just classical music, but in music, not just as African-American men, but as performers, as gifted, talented, classical pianists. So as I always say, think positive, dream big dreams, help someone along the way, and we will see you all back here on the radio on Tuesday. Thank you, everybody. Have a blessed day. God bless. Take care. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.